so change. You know, a survey was given on people who live over 100 years. And there was three common denominators in their life. And these were them. They had purpose. They had a positive outlook or they had faith. And thirdly, they had the ability to handle change well. See, we don't like to change. If, if we're brutally honest, we don't like change. But they understood that change is a fact of life. You can't help change. I mean, why do you think Jackie's struggling with back pain? Because we change as we get older. It is. It, 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 it. I've struggled with back pain because my body changed. We all are changing. We're not the same today as we were yesterday. It, it, it's can we accept change because it is inevitable. See, we often hear this word called a uh, generation gap. Like, and almost always it's spoken in a negative term. It's spoken in a negative term. And however, they are simply changes between generations. The last generation isn't the same as this generation. We, we have to change. The, the things change. I, I, I get people... I can't do that. Well, why can't you do it? Have you tried? Most people say, I, oh, I'm not very good on a computer. Well, have you actually tried? Have you actually tried to do it? I mean, it's funny because the same people who tell me that, by the way, have smartphones and they can wangle their way around there and get on Facebook and do all this because I know because they're my friends on Facebook. I don't know how to use Facebook very well because I don't go on it all the time. I, a, a, a person who uh, I worked for and do every now and help them out, she always says to me when it comes to tech questions, she goes, Hey, can you help me do this? And 99% of the time I can. And then she'll say, hey, can you do this on Facebook for me? And I'll be like, nope. Because uh, I don't know. I have to ask other people how to do stuff on certain stuff. But it's not because I'm afraid of change. Because I, I keep wanting to learn. Because I think it's important that we learn and we change. And what change is, it's a requirement and a product of growth. If we don't change, we're not going to grow. We're not going to grow. Personally, and, and in our family, we, 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 we need an ability to process and adapt to the changes in the world, and in our lives. See, change is a life reality. 
It's a life reality. We can't stop it. We can't stop it. It's the cycle of life. I mean, take the butterfly I put on the, on the, on the cover there on your, in, in the program, in the, in the bulletin that note part. It, it's got three stages of life. And, and you, look at, you, you look at a caterpillar and it's not the most attractive thing in the world. And then it gets really ugly because it cocoons itself. And then it becomes beautiful. But it has to change because if it doesn't change, it doesn't exist. If a caterpillar doesn't cocoon and become a butterfly, there'll be no more butterflies. It has to change. It has to change. Joshua 23.14 says this, And now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you not, for you, all have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. See, there is no doubt, there is no doubt that there will be change in our lives. Everything changes. So, so it's just, just, and the reason I'm talking about change is because obviously we're changing as a church. We still have the same message. We still want to reach the same type of people, but, but you, you chose me to be your pastor, and I'm not the same person as David. So I'm going to lead in a different way than David. It doesn't make either one better, by the way. I'm just different. If, if somebody else was here, they would be different. So I'm talking about change because I don't want to scare people. I don't want people to run because they think, oh, this isn't like it used to be. We're not doing things like we used to do. Sometimes we have to change to move forward. See, everything changes. Everything changes. We need to accept the fact of change and be able to adjust to those changes. So we're a team, by the way, and we need to adjust together. We need to adjust together. All of the, all of the, 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 the things, because I, God has been talking to me for, for a long, long time, since I've been a Christian. He called me to pastor a church. He called me to pastor a church, and actually, he gave me a name for that church. So I don't know what's going to happen. Like, like, it's weird because I feel called to this church, and I want to be at this church at least till I'm 70, and then die. I'm okay with that, by the way. I'm okay if he takes me to Moa. So I will tell you, when he called me, I have... Verbally heard that he was, he told me, so I'm going to have to start a ministry now 
called this. It was called Cross of Nails. He told me, when he called me, he, I felt called to lead, and he gave me a name for a church, and I wrote it down that day. And actually, I told a few people, and Carol, my stepmom, brought me a cross that's a wood cross with nails on it like this because she knew that, I, that that was what God had told me. So I'm going to somehow one day start a ministry of some sort called Cross and Nails. I don't know what it will be. God's going to have to tell me because he gave me that name for a reason. And I'm okay with change. Everything changes. The world changes. Is your family the same as it was? No. Family changes. We grow bigger and bigger. But not only that, I am not the same person and you are not the same person as you was 20 years ago. Yeah, amen. I heard that. Amen. And it's, it, it's a good thing most of the time. Unless we're... Stuck in a cycle of addiction or a cycle of, of and, and all things that are, that are like that usually are an addiction of some sort that just we turn and spin in circles and we don't grow because we don't want to change. We just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And that is the definition of stupidity if you're not getting different results. So, and our church has been changing. Even, even with when David was the pastor for 44 years, I'm telling you, day one wasn't like, like day 40, the, the year 44. It changed. Because it does change. So we need to accept reality and focus on the positives of each change. Philippians 3.13 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and, and straining forward to what lies ahead. So what we need to do is look forward and not backwards. We need to stop looking backwards and start looking forwards to what God has for this church. He has plans. I really believe God has big plans. But we all have to get on board. Because it's not my job to fulfill the plans. Because one person is not a church. We're the church. Church is necessary. It's a necessary thing. Change is necessary. You know, it's necessary because we have to break new ground for God. Because there's still people out there that don't know Jesus. And I don't know, if you watch any news or read any news articles, you realize that more and more people are, are not believing there is a God. More and more people, I just read an article that we're in, the, we're in the, the worst time for people believing that the Word of God is actually the Word of God. That the Bible is His Word. That's the time we live in. But also, because we live in that time, it gives us opportunity to witness. 
In the book of Acts, we see in chapter 10, Peter says this, in Acts, so Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourself knows that knew what happened throughout all Judah, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who, who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witness of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witness who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that, it, it, that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him forgives sins through his name. Can you imagine when Peter got the call as a Jew to go to the Gentiles? You don't think he had to change? He struggled with it. The Bible, this is what I love about the Bible. This is why I do believe it's the Word of God. Because it's so brutally honest. He did not want to take the good news to the Gentile people. He wanted to keep it for the Jews. But God said, no, this is the plan. Let's, let's do the plan. And that, that was a hard change. You don't think when Jesus called all the disciples and said, come follow me. By the way, just drop your fishing nets. You're not going to get paid. We're going to be homeless for three years. We're just going to wander around. Sleeping outside, maybe somebody will let us sleep in their, 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 their porch area or, or something. You don't think that was a change? But you see, they changed because of who they were following. They, they took their faith seriously. Are we taking our faith seriously? There have been equally difficult changes for us in our day. We have to change with the time. But here's the problem is that I think the church tries to change too much with what's going on out there. And to conform, that's why I read that, that had Jackie read that. We try to conform to the world in here. We try to make our churches worldly because then people will be more likely to come and more likely to stay but the problem is that's taking the bible out of church 
Because the Bible says, this is the job of the church. This is my job. is to preach the word of God. And what does the saving? The word of God. Not me, not you. Not any entertainment we do. Not, 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 not to be seeker friendly. I wonder how all these church grew in the 16th and 17th and 18th and 19th century without the seeker sensitivity that we want to do now. That we have to worry about, oh, we might hurt their feelings or we might offend them instead of just doing what the Bible tells us to do and love them and preach God's word to them. Because that's what the Bible says. I actually think in America, and by the way, when I say that, I'm American. I consider myself, even though I'm English, I consider myself now I'm American because I've lived here longer than I lived in England, and I love the country. So when I say Americans, I mean myself too. Okay, we have corrupted the Church of Christ, the the actual church that Christ tried to build, by we've added prosperity Bible teaching into it, like you can have all you want. Or we've added, let's be seeker friendly and give them what, that, that, instead of actually what the church says, to teach the believers the word of God and the people that come in will hear the word of God and God will save them. That's actually what the Bible says about church. But we seem to think we preach to the, to the non-Christians that come and we make church about that. Oh, we've got to have the music like this. We've got to do this. We've got to do this to attract people when God's the most attracting, attract, attracted person on the planet. And I'm not saying you don't have barbecues and you don't have certain events that draw people in. I mean, my dad and Carol came here for a garage sale that we're going to have in a few, month, few weeks. They came here to this church, which is amazing because Carol believed in God. So it's amazing because I'm here because they came here for a garage sale. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't do things to attract people to see where we are. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we need to reevaluate how we do church is what I'm saying because things change. Things change. And the famous last words, sorry dad, because you do this a lot, is, I'm going to use the we, but he said, I've never done it like that before. I'm too old to change. But that is famous last words to say that we're too old to change or we're not going to change because of whatever reason is, is not good. Especially if we believe what the Word says because the Word says that He changes us. We are supposed to be a change in process. Yes, we can't change. My dad is right. He can't change. But guess what? God can change him and God can change us to conform to his 
way, not the world's way. But there's barriers to change. See, focusing on on an institution rather than the purpose of the institution. Why do we exist? Instead of saying, we exist, we're a church, we just exist. What is our purpose to exist? This is a barrier. If we just, we just want to protect our institution, we're not going to grow. If we realize why we're here, we will grow. We will change. A minority rule. See, sometimes we don't change because we don't want to... There's a, there's a couple of people in the, in, in, in the organization and we go, well, if we change, what's going to happen to Betsy? What's going to happen to John? What's going to happen to Dave? What's going to happen to this person if, if we change? They don't like change. And then we don't change because we're worried about one or two people. We need we then that's when the minority rule and not the majority. We have an unwillingness to take risks. I mean, we say we say, and I always say that we say we believe what the Bible says, and the Bible has a lot of promises in it. But then we don't want to take the risk. To see if that's what God wants us to do. And I'm okay to try some a hundred times and fail 99. I don't mean the same thing a hundred times. Because I know that would be stupidity. I mean to keep trying things and maybe one out of a hundred things work. We need to be willing to try new stuff. And some old stuff that we stopped doing. We have an unwillingness to suffer pain because pain is often a side effect of change. You know, growing pains. But we've got to be willing to suffer some pain if we want to change. Change must be evaluated. It's a constant thing. This is the thing about change. We have to keep evaluating it. Life is a process of renewal. All the best, worldly, all the best organizations that are still around and they've been around for, for, for years and hundreds of years have got this ability to change. But we must, we must distinguish between moral absolutes and cultural, cultural relatives. We want, we want to change, but only change in the way God wants us to change. Not change because the world thinks we should change. The world's trying to change your value system right now. That's what's been happening for the last two, three years. I mean, I don't want to get political, but we've got the Roe Ro versus Wade that just got overturned and now all the, all the protests and everything. 
Okay? And I'm not saying this to be political. I've never... I believe I'm pro-life. I believe that every child deserves a chance. Okay? But I'm saying we handle it wrong as a church. Because most churches, what do they do? Ah, we're going to hold up some signs and protest it. But that's not what we need to do as a church. If we are so pro-life, if we are so pro-life, if we believe that the sanctity of life is important, okay, why do we not do more for, for the people that are, that are having the children? Like, hey, not just saying, hey, we'll do this, but say, hey, hey, if you want change, you've got to say, hey, I'm going to be the change, okay, for, for one. You need to say, hey, you, you're going to get an abortion. Please either, either think about adoption, okay? Or if you, if you really want the child but you can't financially afford the child, let, let me or somebody else come alongside you and help you. That's what the Bible says. And, and hey, you need a babysitter. You can't have this child because you've got a job. And if you have this child, you're not going to be out of work. And then you won't be able to afford to live. Hey, why don't I volunteer to babysit? If you want change, if you want change, that's what changes. That's what changes. That's what it looks like. We talk a good talk, but are we walking a walk that we should be walking? Would Jesus come here and say, hey, you're doing a good job? I don't, I don't know. I think he would be disgusted, myself, at most churches in the world, let alone just in the city of Rockford or America. See, we also must be distinguished between um, our mission and our tradition. Why do we hold on so tight to certain things? We used to do it this way. We need to keep doing it this way because that's the way we've done it and we're not going to change. Or... Do we look at the mission and go, well, that doesn't work for our mission. So we can let that go and do this to grow our mission, to do what God has called us to do. See, we must never lose sight of what our goal is. Matthew 28 is what our goal is. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. That's a promise that when we do what he's telling us to do, he is going to be with us. To the end of age. That is the true 
calling of any church, any person, any family of believers, this is what we need to test everything with. Are we doing this? So, say to all this to say, there's a few unchangeables. God does not change. God never, ever changes. Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. And Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. It does not change. We try to change God. We try to change Jesus. We have been doing this really seriously, not as a church, but as a nation for years. We have tried to make a God that fits into my lifestyle. We've tried to make a Jesus that accepts my way of thinking. My way of thinking. And Jesus clearly, if we believe that the word of God is the word of God, has a way of thinking. But we try to conform God and Jesus to our thinking. We can try to conform him to the world. And God will not be conformed. All scripture is breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. The doctrines of his word do not change. God's word is unchangeable. See, we can and we must learn from the past. We must learn from the past. But, current trends are the danger of trends is that many move away from being absolute. You see, trends are passing. That's why when we jump on a bandwagon like either, you'll never, you'll never see me do this, but prosperity Bible teaching grows. If I can tell you you can be rich and famous and, and have lots of money and no worries and your health will be perfect, they, them churches, by the way, if you want to call them churches, I would not call them churches, but them churches are growing. They call themselves churches. They're growing because they promise something that the Bible doesn't promise. And people are gullible and they, they go there. One of the biggest, if not the biggest church in America, in Houston, no mention names, is, is got like 10,000 people join there and he, he doesn't teach the word of God. He uses the word of God to teach what he thinks it says. That is a trend. That is a dangerous place to be. And then to be, to, to be seeker friendly is a dangerous place to be. Because we're making the church about people 
and not about God. Everything in here is supposed to be about God. When we come here, it's all about God. That's why on the sign, because David had the misfit quote and the cavalry where lives are changed, mine is we exist to make much of Jesus. Because our meetings should be about Jesus. should be about God. Some traditions, some past traditions, and I think some traditions that we forget and we lose and we don't do anymore, were good because they safeguarded us against future mistakes. I actually personally love hymns. It's very... I've been telling Andrew, so I'm going to put him on the spot now because I love putting him on the spot that I want him to take some hymns and put some music, some newer music, to the hymns, or up, change some hymns a little bit to, so we can sing them, so, people, so, so, so everybody likes them. I like them the way they were sung, but, but we can change some. I've, they, there's people doing it. And I know Andrew's so talented, he can do it too. It helps our future testimony. If we change absolutes, we cease to be Christian. If we change the absolutes, if we, take, if we change who God is, if we change his word, if we stop believing all of that stuff, we change. And we cease to be Christian. If we do not change culturally relatives, we cease to be. Ill- Life savings, uh, we cease to exist. We navigate the change of life. Uh, navigate, navigating our change of life is critical for our church, for our church family. It, we, we can build healthy relationships between generations. How about that? Because obviously... There's going to be old and young people in a church, hopefully. So if we can bring some of the stuff that, that, that other people, older people like, and have stuff that younger people like, and the young people not complain about the, the, the older stuff, and the older people not complain about the younger stuff, like the older people not say, oh, the music's too loud. Oh, the lyrics, is, the, the song's just, just not up-tempo enough for me. And we just listen. Because the, thing, the reason I like hymns is because I think hymns are meaningful. I actually think if, if, if you want my honest opinion, and you're going to get it anyway, even if you don't. I think like most of the music they play on 91.1 or that is garbage. My honest opinion. Shall I tell you why? Because if I take the word Jesus or God out of the song, I could sing it to my wife. And some of them, you don't even have to take the name out of the song. And I could sing it to my wife, and it'd be just as meaningful singing it to her. And they're not worshipping God. They're just not swearing in their lyrics. So I'm not telling you not to listen to it, because it's definitely clean music. 
I'm saying, if you actually listen to the lyrics, you, and you're singing along, you think, wow, I could sing that to my significant other. How can that be about God? That's a love song. And, and I'm not saying you can't sing love, love songs to God, because I think you can. But when you take God out of it, it's just like if I preach a sermon and I don't preach God in it, and you, or you can take God out of it and it still makes sense, I've done a poor job. I've done a poor job of preaching God's word. So I'm going to read a letter that really optimizes the critical attitude against change and illustrate the lack of vision that some people harbor with their attitude. In January 31st, 1829, this letter was wrote to President Jackson. The canal system of this country is being threatened by the spread of a new form of transportation known as the railroads. The federal government must preserve the canals for the following reasons. One, if the canal boats are supplemented by railroads, serious unemployment will result. Captains, cooks, drivers, hoistlers, Repairmen and lock tenders will be left without means of livelihood. Not to mention the numerous fathers now employed in growing hay for the horses. Two, boat builders would suffer and tow line whip and harness makers would be left destitute. Three, canal boats are absolutely essential to the defense of the United States. In the event of the, the expected trouble with England... The Eric Canal would be the only means by which we could ever move the supplies so virtually vital to waging modern war. As you may well know, Mr. President, railroad carriages are pulled at the enormous speed of 15 miles per hour by engines which, in addition to endangering the life and limb of passengers roar and snort their way through the countryside, setting fire to crops, scaring the livestock and frightening women and, women and children. The, um, the, uh, this is my favorite line. This is why I picked this to read about change. The Almighty certainly never intended that people should travel at such breakneck speed. Martin Van Balen, governor of New York. See, without a doubt, the railroad brought many changes to this country. Not all thought they were good. Some, some even thought they would be a downfall to our society because we would have been traveling at breakneck speeds of 15 miles an hour. Wow. How do, you, how do we handle change? How do we handle change? Are we going to be the people that are going to complain? about change, or are we going to be the people that allow change to happen, encourage change to happen? Are we afraid of change? Do we resist change? If we do not change, we will die. Change is a result of growth. And I, I will say this, and this is, this is personal, as your pastor... I know that, that, that 
My, my thing is I want to be like 100 miles an hour in, one, in, in the direction that I feel God has called me to go. Okay, and I, I'm probably, even in, in the last few months since I've took over from David, I've moved very fast. I, I do think I'm in a, u- a unique position as a new pastor because I'm really not a new pastor. You've known me and watched me grow for 19 years. You've encouraged and believed in me as a congregation for 19 years. I think, I think you all, I hope, like me as your pastor. And because of, of, of all the things that I've said, and this is personal, this, 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 this is personal to me, I feel responsible for, for, for the flock. I actually take this job very serious. I, I feel the calling. I felt the calling to be a pastor, to be the pastor of this church, means that when I, when I die, I know that God is going to ask me how I managed my, me, how I manage my family, family, and how I manage my church family. He is going to ask me that question. That is a big responsibility to me. It's not that I, I, I take that every day and think, I am responsible as your pastor to care for you as your pastor. And if I ever do anything too fast, I want to be the person that you could come to and say, hey, this is moving, moving too fast. Or I, don't, I would rather hear the input than somebody just walk out the door and say, I'm not going there because of whatever. I love all of you as my brothers and sisters, as my family. That is why I want to build a family unity in this church. That is why that direction is one of the directions I wanted to go from day one. It's to build a family because that's what I think the church is supposed to be. But if I'm ever moving too fast, or I ever make mistakes because there will be mistakes that I make as your pastor. I want you to know that I will be open to listen and not try to defend myself, but listen because I believe that's how you grow and that's how you learn how to change well. Because we need balance. So, Next week, we'll be starting a study in Hebrews. We're going to take a look at the supremacy of Christ because if you read that book and if you do your homework, you're going to read the book because this is what I want you to do. And you're going to go, oh, I've got to read a whole book of the Bible. There's 13 chapters in Hebrews. I want you to sit down and read it from the beginning to the end in one sitting as many times as you can this week. And then after that, I'm just going to give you sections to read and, and look at and, and think about. But, but this week, I would like you to, to get ready for, for the next 13, 14 weeks is to read Hebrews from the beginning to the end. Because you know how you know how a book is supposed to be? is by reading the whole book, then you get a whole picture of the whole book instead of just reading section by section by section. So 
So first of all and foremost, this week is your homework is to read the whole book of Hebrews. Or read it to each other, if you're a couple. Or read it to the dog. To get ready for the study on the supremacy of Christ. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we're about to worship you again, God, we just praise you and we know that uh, change is hard. I don't really like change, God. I know that you have plans, though, God. And I just pray that, that in this church that we can be a family and be able to, to, to talk to each other about the, the directions of, of the church, the way we feel about this church, and to love each other enough to speak to each other. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.